Let's pray together. The multitude of your sacrifice, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do what is right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Heavenly Father, as we're here today on this Sunday, I pray, God, that our hearts will be humble and that, God, that we will lay ourselves down before your holy presence, O oh God. That we will not stand before you with arrogance, thinking that, God, that we are good enough to be here. But, God, if you are a fair and a just God, we all deserve to be in hell right now in this very moment. But praise be to God and thanks be to God of the cross, of your son Jesus Christ who died for us. Thank you for your righteousness that has been bestowed upon us, upon me. So that God, I may stand before your holy presence with confidence. That God, that it is not because of my deeds or because of what I have done or what I have not done. But Lord, simply because of your son Jesus Christ the sacrifice of your Son, your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, that we are able to enter your presence with confidence and with godly conviction. So God, I pray now, God, that as we come before you today, Lord, may we be obedient to you more than our sacrifices and our offerings, O oh God. May we yield our hearts before your holy presence, O oh Lord. May we yield ourselves to your will, O oh God. Not my will, but your will, O oh Lord. May your will be done in our lives and in this church. For God, you're greater than all of our mistakes, than all of our past, than all of our sins. So God, as you transition now, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, that mess this message, O oh God, and the meditation of all those hearts who will be listening to this message, Oh, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, oh, Lord. Lord, may it be pleasing before your holy presence. We love you. We thank you. We need you today more than yesterday. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son. Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. God bless everyone. Uh, let's take a moment to greet one another at this time. We will be continuing on with our Authentic Christian Christianity series. And today, 
The title for the message is called The Last Straw for Saul. The Last Straw for Saul. Obedience is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. The last straw for Saul. Amen. Let's go right into it. The scripture is going to be found in 1 Samuel chapter 15. We have it up on the screen for you. We have it in Korean for Rani. Uh, so please follow along. Uh, let's read together, starting with verse 1. The title begins with, The Lord rejects Saul as king. The Lord rejects Saul as king. May God never reject us, amen? But may God accept us through his one and only son, uh, Jesus Christ. Starting with verse 1, it says this, Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy, totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Verse 4. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telaim. 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from Judah. So went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, Go away, leave the Amalekites, so that I do not destroy you along with them. For you show kindness to all the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. So it's about to go down. Amalekites are about to be destroyed. Verse 7, Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. Right away, Samuel, what Samuel gave to Saul, Saul is not listening. He was supposed to destroy everything, but he kept the king alive. Disobedient, number one. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, Everything that was good, these they were unwilling to destroy completely. Again, destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Verse 10, then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry. And he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told Saul was gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. So he goes ahead, Saul, he doesn't build a monument to God. He builds his own monument 
kind of like his own statue in his own honor. Just like when you see in TV or in documentary in North Korea, you see a statue have their own monuments in their own honor. Even Joshua and Caleb, who did greater feats than Saul, they never set up a monument in their own honor. But here we see the pride of Saul, the foolishness of Saul. For Joshua and Caleb, they always gave credit to God, but Saul, he is giving credit to himself. Verse 13, when Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Wow, what is Saul so happy about? And what we learn here is that when we continue living apart from God, this honesty takes over our hearts, and eventually we have no credit. He is pretending, and he is lying to the man of God, Samuel. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Verse 14, But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? So answer, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Again, that's important. Your God, but he totally destroyed the rest. Verse 16, enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you are once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Verse 20, But I did obey the Lord. He's delusional. Saul said, I went on a mission. The Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. Again, he's misinformed. He's not taking the instructions clearly. The soldiers, he's shifting blame on the soldiers. He says, the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder and the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Again, that's important. Your God. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, to obey, obey. is better than sacrifice. sacrifice. Amen. Amen. And to heed is better than the fat of rams, for rebellion is like the sin of divination. Divination meaning witchcraft, and arrogance means stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. Stubbornness, arrogance, like the evil idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of God, because he has rejected the command of God, he has rejected you as king. Verse 24, Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the man. When I read that, it bothers me because he's the king, isn't he? Why is he afraid of the man? Why is he afraid of people? Is he not the king? I was afraid of the man, and so I gave in to them. A poor leader. Verse 25, now I beg you, 
Forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe, and it tore. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Verse 30, Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Again, he only cares about how others think of him. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Again, your God is not his God, my God, your God, Samuel. It's not mine. Verse 31, so Samuel went back with Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. He's like a little baby who needs assistance to worship God. He cannot worship God himself. Verse 32, then Samuel said, bring me Agag, king of the Amalekites. Agag came to him in chains, and he thought, surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, as your sword has made woman childless, so will your mother be childless among women. And Samuel put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. Verse 34, then Samuel left, it, left for Ramah, but Saul went up to his home in Gilbeah of Saul. Until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord regretted it. Again, God is omni in all that he does. He is all-knowing in all that he does. He is omnipresent. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He knows everything. You may ask, why did, did, why did God then choose Sa- Why did God choose Saul in first place if he knew he was, he was going to regret it in first place? Here the word regret means that God was sorrowful of Saul's disobedience. Again, Obedience is key. To obey is better than sacrifice. So it says, The Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Amen. So the lesson for us to learn here about Saul from Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15 is this. Number one, destroy your idols. Destroy the idols in your life. Destroy your idols. What is the definition of idols? Idols meaning it's an image or representation of a God, lowercase g God, used as an object of worship. It's one that is adored, adorned blindly and excessively. It is a false, false sense of security. It's a false God, false dependency. And we, will, we think that it's, it gives us security and joy, but the reality and the truth is, is that only God can give us true joy as Christians. Idols may be visible, tangible, and invisible at the same time. For example, we have idols like leaders. They're idols. Celebrities can be idols. Objects 
can be idols. Music can be idols. Reputation, the name that you want for yourself, your own reputation, it can be an idol. The dream that you have for the life that you want to live, not the life that God wants you to live, that can also become your idol. If I only get that dream job, then I will be secure. No, it is God that keeps you secure. It is not anything else. Everything else is garbage compared to the Lord. Also means highly revered, admired, highly loved, highly desired, and an individual can have more than one idols in his or her life. So again, destroy your idols. Let's take a look at verse 1 through 9. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. His instruction is very clear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I'm going to punish the Malachites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came out from Egypt. Now go attack the Amalekites and what? Totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children, infants, cattle and sheep, camel and donkeys. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telehim, 200,000 foot soldiers and the 10,000 from Judah. So went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, Go away, leave the Amalekites, so that I do not destroy you along with them. For you show kindness to all the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spare Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Did they follow the instruction from God? No, they did not. They made excuses and reasonings. And here the idol was that Saul was an idol to himself. His reputation was his idol. The men, he got pressured by the men, and he allowed the men to make this kind of decision. He made excuses, and he shifted blame when he was to take the responsibility because the instruction was very clear. Totally destroyed. God called Samuel to tell Saul because God spoke directly to Samuel to tell Saul to kill the Amalekites, destroy everything. And you may be reading, you may think, Amalekites, wow, poor people, children, infants, everything, cattle, animals too, those animal lovers. No, not the animals, but Amalekites in their reputation and in who they were, They were worse than terrorists. They brought forth tremendous havoc, chaos, destruction, and mayhem to the nations around them. Again, they were terrorists. God knew that as long as the Amalekites, if they were alive, if they were kept alive, the Israelites would not be able to live peacefully. If you ever watched the movie The Kingdom, and it's a good movie, it's about 
when they go to Saudi Arabia with the bomb. And again, it's a fictional story. But we see it's a cycle, right? The father gets killed. The children want to seek revenge. And the children, and God was very clear because he did not want the Amalekites to linger and to later to come back to hunt the Israelites. God was very clear in his instructions to totally destroy everything. Because God knew that eventually that the Amalekites, their idolatry worship, their idol worship, it was so corrupt that if Israelites, if they intermingle just a little bit with the Amalekites, they would would threaten Israel's relationship with God. It would threaten their holiness before God. Therefore, God wanted the Israelites to destroy everything, all of their possessions, including their idols. Do not be blinded by the gold and the money that you find. If you're a cop and you find the money, the leftover money, the drug money, don't be tempted to take that money. But these individuals, these soldiers, Saul, he was tempted. If you remember, in chapter 13, they didn't have any weapons, right? They didn't have many resources. Maybe they felt greed came over them. And they wanted something for themselves. But God's instruction was clear. Totally destroy. But they wanted to keep what they wanted to keep. And when in the Bible, when you don't follow God's instructions, it is a grave sin before God. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 16 to 18, it says this. However, in the cities of the nations, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Do not leave alive anything that breathes. Completely destroy them. The Hittites, the Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Otherwise, why? What is the reasoning? What was the reason? Otherwise, what? They will teach you to follow all the detestable things they do in worshiping their gods, and you will sin. It is guaranteed you will sin against the Lord your God. Some of of these nations, what they would do is they, they would offer children sacrifices. They will kill infants as a sacrifice before their lowercase g God. I mean, they would do corrupt things. They would go and rape women. They would turn people into slaves, annihilate, bring chaos, mayhem to the nations around them. And that is why God commanded. He spoke to Samuel to tell Saul to completely annihilate, to destroy the Amalekites. We must destroy the idols in our lives. Amen? We cannot have these things lingering because eventually it will catch up to us. It will take hold of our hearts. And as we get older, you need to be more careful because as you get older, we are more susceptible because we think we're too smart. We we grow too wise in our own eyes. What does Samuel tell Saul? You were once small in your own eyes and God had appointed you as king. But now Saul... Because he has become king. Now he is the king of Israel. He had become too big in his own eyes. May you never become too great, too big in your own eyes. Don't be so full of yourself. You are not that important. You are not that great. If God was a fair God, 
We all deserve death right now here, fair and square. We are nothing compared to the holiness of God, to who our God is. Do not grow too proud. Destroy your idols. God commanded this, and he was clear because he wanted, and it was for the protection of his people. You may think, oh, that's not fair. Why would you kill these? What a waste of these animals. Why not? Do you know who else said that? Judas. Remember? When Mary came with the alabaster jar, when the woman who came with the alabaster jar and broke it at the feet of Jesus, the expensive jar of perfume, Judas was the one that said what? What a waste. Why would you waste this? We could have sold this for money and given it to the poor. But may we never, when God gives us instructions, we may not say, this is a waste, God, and I'll do it my, my way according to the way that I want. But may we follow the command of God and destroy all the idols in our lives. God commanded this because he wanted to prevent the Israelites from committing idolatry in their hearts. And every day is a battle. From the battle that we fight, are we going to choose God or the idols in our lives? The false sense of security in your life or the true sense of security? Our God, Yahweh, Elohim. Are we going to choose God, Him Himself, the true joy and the security that comes from Him? Or are we going to hide behind false sense of security? our bank accounts, our titles, our reputation. Because eventually your reputation, your money, everything that we hold dear in this life, it will disappear. It will be gone. But only God is the one that can hold us in life and in death. Amen. Now again, breaking this law is punishable by death. He was supposed to destroy everything. And it says in Joshua 7, verse 15, it's very clear also that whoever is caught with the devoted things, whoever is caught with devoted things shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. Devoted things were idols in their lives. Whoever has idols, they shall be destroyed by fire from God, along with all that belongs to him. And in the story of Joshua chapter 7, we see that when people hide idols in their tents, when people hide idols in their hearts, that we will be completely destroyed before the holy presence of God. If you go ahead and read in verse 20 to 25, it says, Achan replied, he's the one that kept the idol in his tent. Achan replied, it is true. Again, the leader at this time is Joshua. It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent, and the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, 
and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Accor. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned them. And after that, they had stoned the rest. They burned them. Everything had to be destroyed. And God is fair. Why? Because God, even among his chosen people, he destroyed Achan. Achan was an Israelite. He was part of the holy people of God. And God is fair in his judgment. No matter what, no matter who we are, how old or young we are, no matter what our gender, when we have idols before God, and before we enter the presence of God, we have idols that we're hiding inside our tent, our lives, we will be destroyed, destroyed by fire, everything, all that belongs to him. The silver, the robe, Gobar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his tent and all that he had, even the tent, everything that he had, they were stoned and they were burned up and it was destroyed. When we gloss over idols, it is disobedience and sin before God. Verse 9, but Saul and the army spared what? Agag, and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good, these they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Now the question is, can Saul get any more foolish than this? I want you to take a look at Saul's foolishness. Take a look at Saul. The situation is already bad. Can he actually make it worse? And the answer is yes. What does he do in verse 12 to 23? So he builds himself his own monument in his own honor. Verse 12 to 23. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told Saul has gone to Carmel there he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. He gives credit to himself and not to God. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? It's like when an inspector comes in. I don't know if in your town you might have to do license for your dogs or animals. It's like, is your dog still alive? I see that you still haven't applied for the license. And you hear, arr, arr, arr. So what is that? What are those sounds? Oh, it's nothing. It's just YouTube of animals and dogs playing on video. So you hear the, the, the mom or the dad, stop it. Stop it. What's the dog's name? Um, yes. Taylor. Stop it, Taylor. I hate you, Taylor. And what's the other dog's name? Junior, we love. Taylor, stop it. It's like, oh, it's nothing. What is Saul trying, what is he trying to do? Who is he trying to fool? 
He's hearing the sheep, the bleeding of sheep in his ears, and the sound of cattle. So I'll answer, verse 15, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Again, excuses and excuses and excuses. Again, the key here, again, the word is your, your God. Verse 16, Samuel has enough. He says, enough, stop it, enough with this nonsense. Samuel said to Saul, let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Verse 17, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. I'm not going to read this whole thing because I read it earlier many times. But we see, we continually see Saul saying, please honor me before the elders and the people. So that I may worship the Lord, your God, not my God. And the ending is, the Lord, he regretted making Saul king of Israel. And God had rejected Saul as his king. Destroy your idols. Destroy your idols. May we today, as we're here listening, may we not be rejected by God as Saul was rejected by God, as Achan was rejected by God, and the whole tribe of Israel, all the tribe of Israel, they came and they stoned Achan and his family and everything that, they, that he had. As he burned everything up, May we not be rejected by God today by keeping the idols in our lives. Amen? Amen. Destroy your idols. Turn to your neighbor and say, destroy your idols. idols. Point number two and last point here is obedience is better than sacrifice. Very similar to the title, to obey is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. This is a phrase that I want you to know in your heart, within yourself. Know that this line, this phrase is in the scripture. And it is a very important scripture because even Jesus himself, even when he's discussing about the Sabbath, when he's going against the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the elders, the law, the teachers of the law, he goes ahead and he quotes this phrase, obedience is better than sacrifice. Let's turn to our neighbor and say, Obedience, Obedience is, better is better than sacrifice. Than sacrifice. Amen. What do I mean by that? Your obedience to God is more important than your empty traditions, rituals, and ceremonies and offerings. Your heart before God, your life before God, the way you live before God is more important than the offering that you give, the offering that you put in the offering basket. The life and the obedience that you have before God is more important, is more crucial in God's eyes than the works that you do, in the charities that you give, in the things that you try to do by earning brownie points. You can never earn brownie points with God. 
You must obey Him in your respective life, in the, in, the, in the things that God has given you, in the responsibilities that God has given you. You must be obedient to Him according to the Word of God. Your obedience to God is more important than, again, than all your empty family traditions, rituals, and ceremonies. It's not about how long you pray. It's not about what we pray. As I mentioned in Isaiah chapter 1, in the prayer that I prayed before the service. I cannot hear you anymore. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you, it says. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Do you not understand that? God is not pleased with your offerings. He doesn't care about your offerings if your heart is not in him. If your heart is not in him, if you don't have a relationship with God, and if you don't follow God wholeheartedly, your offering is meaningless. It's garbage. When you pray, he hides his eyes, he hides his ears. He is not listening from us. Even when we offer many prayers to him, he is not listening. God says, wash and make yourselves clean, it says. Let's go ahead and read together. Verse 11, Isaiah 1, it says what? The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. I read one verse. Why don't you guys read one verse? So I read verse 11. Go ahead and read verse 12 together. Ready? One, two, three. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Learn to do right. Let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Amen. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Let's go to the next passage, Micah chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. It says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? What does he require of us? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God has nothing to do with your physical 
offering. Again, if your heart is in God, the natural overflow is we give naturally our offering to God. It is not, God, I give you my offering as a checklist, but my heart is not in you. But it's about me acting justly before him to love mercy and to walk humbly before his holy presence. That's the kind of obedience that God desires from us in our lives, not our physical offering. Because if you are in him, from the natural overflow of your heart, you will give to God. Amen? Do you understand that? It's from the overflow of your heart you give. You don't give to make your heart follow. You must have the right heart and the right relationship with the living God. And at the same time, even when you don't feel it, uh, it's good to just allow your actions to go forth and then your heart will follow. I believe it's in uh, C.S. Lewis' book. I forget which one. I read it somewhere, but... Uh, it says, like, when you don't, and again, I'm just kind of going off from my memory, but if you don't feel love, uh, go ahead and love. Like, for example, if you don't feel like uh, uh, loving or you don't feel like you love God anymore, go ahead and do the things that you did at first. So, for example, I remember, just to give you an easy example, when I was younger, I used to do, I used to volunteer for a soup kitchen in New York City near Chinatown, downtown. Every Saturday, we would go. And there are times where, you know, you'd be tired, especially during the week. You work, and then you go to school, and then, uh, you know, you have church stuff. And Saturday comes, you kind of want to relax, got morning prayer and things. But, uh, you know, you don't feel like going, but you go ahead and you do it. And as you're serving, as you're serving the people, you start to love, and you start to, the passion starts to come back again. Sometimes, if our hearts are dead, we must bring our actions forth and allow our hearts to follow. But again, the most important, the core foundation is that you must have the right relationship with God. Jeremiah 7, 21 to 23 says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Go ahead, add your burnt offerings to your other sacrifices and eat the meat yourselves. For when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command. What is the command? And what is the command for us as Christians? Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. You want your life to go well? Then obey the command that God has for your life. Proverbs 21.3 To do what is right, and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, so now, to do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. It says in Psalm 46-8, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. It's the law of God in your heart. Be quiet, Daniel. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Amen. That is more important than the sin offerings. And the burnt offerings, it says, for God, God does not require them. 
Last verse, Psalm 51, 16 to 17, one of my favorite passages of all time. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I will bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Is Samuel saying sacrifice is not important when he told Saul to obey is better than sacrifice? Not at all. Samuel is saying, when he says to obey is better than sacrifice, what he's saying is it is useless unless the sacrifice comes from a place of repentance, humility, love, and obedience to God. A genuine relationship with God. Going to church is not a checklist. Giving money to the poor is not a checklist. Serving as a committee head is not a checklist. It is garbage unless you have a genuine relationship and an attitude of love and a genuine relationship with God. All garbage. All your offering is garbage before God. For it's about obedience. It's about obeying Him. It's about having a relationship with God. So two sub-points here with point number two. What was point number two? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Letter A is this. Obedience is life. Can we talk to our neighbor and say, obedience is life? Obedience is life. And then point B, disobedience is death. Can we talk to our neighbor and say, disobedience is death? Disobedience is death. The consequence of disobeying the Lord. I know that we read this already. But let's finish strong, and let's all turn to verse 10. 10 through 11, I'm going to read First Samuel 15. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry, and he cried out to the Lord all that night. What was the consequence? The word of the Lord comes to Samuel that I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Meaning, because Saul was not obedient to me, my heart is sorrowful. It is grieved. And Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. This is an expression of Sorrow. And our God is omniscient and He cannot make a mistake. However, God, in response to Saul's disobedience, He changes His attitude towards Saul as Saul changed. God knew that Saul's heart was no longer, it no longer belonged to Him, but it belonged to His own idol himself his own selfish desires may you not become blind by your own life become too proud become too great in your own eyes verse 24 to 31 it says then Saul said to Samuel I have sinned I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions I was afraid of the men again why was he afraid is he not the king and so I gave in to them. 
Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe and it tore. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. For he is not a human being that he should change his mind. So replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back with Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Again, Saul cared more about how people thought about him than what God thought about him, never realizing how broken his relationship had become with God. And the key here is, key here is, and listen to me carefully, your obedience to God is always better than your sacrifice, than your so-called offerings. Your obedience must supersede your offering, just like Abraham with Isaac, right? Genesis 22 says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said, Abraham, he replied, and God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. That is a perfect example of obedience is better than sacrifice. This whole time, this whole time before everything, Abraham thought it's about the sacrifice. It's about the, off- it's about the offering, the burnt offering. Do you know how long it took for Abraham to get his son Isaac at the age of 100, Sarah at the age of 90, elderly? And the promise was given through the, his one and only son Isaac. Now, God, you're telling me to sacrifice him? Go and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering, God? But Abraham, he says, yes. Yes, I will obey. And as Christians, may we not be selective in our obedience, but be obedient to death, to death on a cross. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. And may we follow Christ's example in his obedience to death. And in closing, I would like for us to read this all together. Found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Again, may we not be selective in our obedience. It's all or nothing. Philippians 2.8 says, ready? One, two, three. Let's read it together in bonus. Ready? One, two, three. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why must we be obedient to God? Because that was his command. But he is not this double standard God where he tells us to do something and he doesn't lead the way for us. 
He is not our boss. Boss is someone who tells you what to do. Their hands are like, oh, I don't touch anything. You do the work, my coworkers. But he is a true shepherd and a true leader because he does it by example. He is a leader, not our boss. What he asks us to do, he already has done it all the way. 10,000, 20,000, full. Way more than we can do, he already done it. And he did it in the flesh. Fully man, fully God. And he did it on the cross. It says, and being found in appearance as a man. Do you understand what that means? The incarnation of Jesus Christ. God becoming a fully man in the form of a baby. The humility. There's no single act of humility than this. He humbled himself by what? Becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. If tomorrow we were scheduled to go on that cross, let's say we live in a region where Christianity is illegal. Right now we have the freedom of the building and everything. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die for the gospel? Are you willing to be persecuted and to be rejected by society? Are you willing to take your final breath? For me, I'm ready anytime. Today, tomorrow, God, wherever it may be, God, and it's easy to say with words, but I am ready, God. I will be obedient to you even if it means if I go to this mission trip, even if it means something happens, God, and God forbid, and something happens to me. And if I were to die before your name, in your name, if I were to die, I would say, yes, Lord, what an honor, what a glory it is to die for your name. Are you willing to be obedient to death, to, be de- to go to death on a cross? Christ himself at the Garden of Gethsemane, he took the weight of all sin of all mankind, past, present, and future, and he drank that cup that nasty cup of sin and he died on the cross for us even death on a cross God commands Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son and it was to show the heart of God And what happens in that story in Genesis 22? As he's about to, God says, Stop! Do not lay your hand on the child. And then out of nowhere in the bush, there's a ram with this horn stuck. God had already provided his offering. Be obedient. You don't have what it takes to give. Maybe we're just not ready yet financially. Do not hold it. Do not hoard. Be generous and give to God. Be obedient. For He will provide the offering. Offering is secondary. Obedience is key. I'll say it again. Obedience is key. 
Offering is secondary. Doesn't matter. For God is the one that gives and he takes away. When this story happened in Genesis chapter 22, it was a foreshadow of God's sacrifice of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. What Abraham was about to do to Isaac, that was the heart of God. God sent his one and only son, his son, his child, to die on the cross for us. There is no greater hurt and pain for a child to lose, for a parent to lose a child. The child should bury the parent. But for God to allow his one and only son to die on the cross for us, what a blessing. What an honor. What a precious privilege and a gift that we as Christians have received. May we not take the obedience of Christ, his obedience to the cross, to his death. May we not take that lightly. And this is where our God introduces a new name for himself before Abraham. He calls himself Yahweh. Yahweh Ire means the Lord will provide. He will provide my offering. But you must first obey. Whatever God is telling you right now, you need to obey Him. Obedience is key. Make that your foundation before God. Not your offerings or your sacrifices, not the time that you give before God, the committee heads. Praise team, listen to me. Obey. Be obeyed to him. Obey him and everything will go along and go well before you. And I pray that as deep roots and as Christians, as Christian men and women of God, that we will continue to have humility and that we will continue to obey the Lord. Obey Him. Obey Him in your life. Do not get lost in the lights and in the offerings and in the services and in the works that we do. Obey Him and everything else will follow. Can we all close our eyes at this time? For those of you that we've done discipleship with, this is kind of the main passage, the main scripture. And I pray that the scripture is in your heart and that you remember the reference and you know where the scripture is from. Do you remember the cost of being a disciple? Do you remember where it's from? It's found in Luke chapter 14. What is the cost of being a disciple? And here's what it says in the scripture. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, and this is Jesus speaking. He's talking to a large crowd. If anyone comes to me and does not hate 
father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. What is Jesus saying? You have to love me and you have to obey me before your parents. You have to love me above all your idols, above all your relationships. Will you love me? Will you follow me? Unless you do that, unless you have that kind of obedience, you cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And it goes on to say to count the cost. Count the cost. Are you counting the cost? That one day, that one day, that one day that you may lose your life for the sake of the gospel. That one day you will lose relationships. Are you willing to lose relationships in your life? Even family members, are you willing to walk away from them if they oppose you from following God wholeheartedly? Are you willing to obey God or will you obey your parents? Yes, the Bible says to obey your parents, to obey them. But you must obey God first. God is first and foremost. He is our first. He is our present. He is our journey. And He is our end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. The cost of being a disciple. Obedience is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. May we be like Paul today. What is more, I consider everything a garbage loss because of the surpassing knowledge, the worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. I consider everything garbage that I may know and I may gain Jesus Christ. I pray today that you will gain Christ, that you will know God, in an intimate way that you will not just know of him but you will know him in an intimate way and that God will know you and as God calls you by name as he has called you even when you're in your mother's room he has called you obey him do not get lost with family do not get lost in other relationships but focus on him Focus on God, focus on Him and trust in Him and obey Him. Obey Him for everything is garbage compared to the worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Can we just at this time in our own voices, can we just pray together as I invite the praise team to come up? Can we just continue praying? Let's pray to Him. Say, God, I obey you today. God, I surrender myself today. All of my plans, all of my dreams, God, I lay them at your feet. I need you. I give them to you, oh God. I obey you wholeheartedly. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you, God. Oh, your holy soul, oh God. I humble myself. I choose, I choose today as Abraham did to give my all to you, O Lord, to obey even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't make sense, O God, in my own life what is happening in my life, God, I will obey you, and I will obey you in the present, not just in my present, but in my spirit, I will give my all to you, 
sacrifice. That's what you're about to sacrifice. Is what it all is What faith that took for him. What a harm and what kind of distress that he must have gone in that moment. Like the sacrifice his own family, his beloved child Isaac, oh God. Oh God, for him to show us the foreshadow, the heart of God. God, how much you must have broken the heart of God. How much you must have broken your heart. Being your one and only son, Jesus Christ. To die on the cross for me. To die on the cross for us. The cup of sin of me, to drink the cup of sin of all human God, oh God, to take on the way to be obedient, to be obedient to death, but to be obedient to the cross. God, how much your heart must have grieved, how sorrowful your heart must have been to see your one and only Son to die on the cross. So, God, I pray that we will not be like Saul, that we will not make excuses, that we will not make excuses, God, hiding behind the offerings, hiding behind the sacrifices, oh God. Although you desire a broken and a contract, oh God, you will not be For God, I am broken. I need you today more than yesterday. That I come before your holy presence.
broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you are not despised. You are not despised. Let us sing together. Let us make this song our worship and our prayer before Him. A broken spirit and a contrite heart. trespasses and all of our iniquities God before you Lord God when we come before you God we come broken and humble before you God we have nothing to offer before you Lord Lord nothing that we have done can compare it to your holiness oh God oh God we humble ourselves today so pray God that we will be obedient to you as you are obedient to death on a cross God that we will be obedient all that we do Lord to give you everything that we have may we not get lost like Saul God just honey be on excuses and reasonings God trying to justify our actions but Lord can we just come may we just come broken before you oh God broken before you Lord 
And as David admitted sins before Nathan, oh God, for before you, God, I have sinned. For it is before you, God, that we have been done wrong, oh God. Do not cast us from your presence, oh God. Please continue to give us the steadfast spirit within us to praise you and to follow you, oh God. We need you more today than yesterday, oh Lord. Continue to walk with us and guide us, God. For we are lost and desperate without you, God. For we have nothing before you, God. We have nothing to hold before you, Lord. Lord, we humble ourselves, God. May we ask Paul said, God. God, to know you, God, nothing can compare. Everything else is garbage compared to the worth of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, oh God. So God, we surrender all, everything that we have. We lay them at your feet, oh Lord. Have your way within us. Transform us, God. May us not get lost, God, in the sacrifices and in the offerings, God. For you will turn your eyes and ears away from our many multitudes of prayers. If there is no obedience, God, if there is no love and relationship with you, oh God. So God, I pray that we would humble ourselves right now. For God, a broken and a contrite heart, Lord, you will not despise and you will not reject. So God, we humble ourselves. For God, this is not an emotional moment where we get lost in our feelings, but we choose today to make that decision to obey you wholeheartedly. That no matter what tomorrow may bring, even if it means death and death itself, oh God, that we will face it with boldness, oh God, that we will not be afraid, even in the face of death. For God, that we will leave this world with confidence, knowing that God, that we will see you face to face. That God, that it is you that we have been living for. May we not live for anything else but for your kingdom and for your glory and for your purpose, oh Lord. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your continuing presence that continues to guide us and lead us every step of the way. Watch over our church. Watch over us in our independent journey. This journey called Christian life. Let us be faithful. where we are going every single day that will choose you that choose to live this life for your kingdom and for your purpose pray all these things in your precious son Jesus Christ let me pray and God's people pray Amen 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 Amen. Amen. Father God we thank you so much for gathering all of us together to worship and praise you what an honor to be here with you and hear your message through Reverend Andrew As we reflect on your word, God, we want to lay everything down before you, whatever we've been holding on, even the things that we don't even know about. We ask you to reveal and destroy all the idols in our lives. Also, we pray that our hearts are right before you and obey the commands that you have for us. And now we pray for the offering. We thank you for always providing what we need every day. We pray that the offerings will be used to extend your kingdom and for your glory. God, we love you and honor you. We pray everything in Jesus' name.